Okay, let's learn. So, we left off, hey Jonathan, we left off last week um, with V'ata Mechayas Kulam. We left off with the mantra, with the Hasidic mantra, the Hasidic idea, V'ata Mechayas Kulam, that you, God, vitalize them all. And we discussed that Kula means literally every cell, every molecule in reality. And Mechaya, don't just read Mechaya, that God is vitalizing it like the soul gives the body. But Mahave is also bringing it into existence from nothing. And Va'ata, we left off beginning to discuss the Va'ata. Va'ata refers to Hashem. But the way that we're referring to Hashem, Va'ata and you, we dissected the word Va'ata. We dissected it because the word Va'ata includes all the letters from Aleph to Tuf. And the He at the end of the five organs of verbal articulation which we have, which correspond in Hashem to the source of the letters. So, but the idea being that the Va'ata is Hashem already making Himself literally enclosed and manifest in all the details of reality. That's the Va'ata Machayas Kulam. Now, you know that Postak I mentioned is in, in Vayavarach David, we say it every day in Davening. And that Pasuk actually says the word Ata, we say to God, you, three times. Ata hu Hashem levadecha. Right? If, you, if, if you remember in Vayivarach David, we say it every day in Davening. Ata hu Hashem levadecha. You, God, are by yourself. Ata sisas ha-shamayim, shamei ha-shamayim, v'chotzvom, arts v'chol You created the heavens and the heavens, heavens, and the earth and everything on them, and the oceans and everything in them. And then, and you vitalize everything. But if you're able to look at that Pasuk, the Pasuk is actually talking about God as He's manifesting as these three levels. As He is in His essence, you, God, are completely by yourself, which of course is true even now. That's the truth of Yehudi law of the higher level unity, which we spoke about, how all of reality is essentially still united within Hashem. So even now, Atahu Hashem Levadecha, you, God, are still the only thing that exists. Ata Sisa Shemaim Shemea Shemaim, you created the heavens and the heavens, heavens and the earth and everything in them and the ocean and everything in them. That's Hashem as He's contra, as He's already contracting His light to make it Simtsum. To make the general world, remember we spoke about that there's before the ten utterances, there are the general utterances that make reality come into being. And then the ten utterances become the permeating light that becomes everything in particular. So and you God give life to the all as God has already contracted himself fully to become literally the vitality and the being of everything that exists in the world, bringing it into existence something from nothing. So those are the three levels. Atahu Hashem Levadecha. Next time when you have a sitter, take a look in Vayvarach Dov, take a look at the Pasuk in its entirety. Atu Hashem Levadecha, you God by yourself. That's the truth of Yehudi law, that God is all that exists now. Atu Asisa Shemaim Shemea Shemaim, you created the heaven and the heavens, heaven and the earth is Hashem, as He's generally contracting His light, as we spoke about the general utterances to bring about reality. And Va'ata Machayas Kulam is as Hashem is literally becoming contracted to become enclosed in all the details of reality. And that's where we basically left off this idea of the Va'ata. Yeah? Okay, let's see inside. Ask the Alter Rebbe a question. 
Now, this idea that we've been saying that all of reality is the divine speech, is God's words, is God's contracted light manifesting as everything, asks the Alter Ebbe, although he has no bodily likeness, which again, I, I, I spoke this out earlier, but here the Alter Ebbe is asking the question, what do you mean that everything is the divine speech? Seemingly, God has no bodily likeness. There's nothing, there's no God has, has no mouth, he has no verbal articulation organs. So this is all borrowed terminology. But the Alter Rebbe wants to bring a proof, but not just a proof. It's also going to be an explanation of what this means when we're using this terminology. So look inside. Although he has no bodily likeness, yet scripture itself, in the Bible itself, we find ascribes to him anthropomorphic terms. Everyone knows what anthropomorphic? Anthropomorphic is when we ascribe to God human terms. So we find already in scripture ascribing to God anthropomorphic terms such as, and God spoke or and God said. Meaning, forget about the world for a second. The whole Torah is God talking. God talking to Moshe, God talking to the other prophets. So, if we leave alone for seconds, let's set aside the world and reality. You have the same question, really, when it comes to all the times in the Bible it says that God is talking and God is revealing himself, right? That God is speaking to all the prophets. That's what all the words of the prophets are. That's what all the books of the Bible are. So, the author explains, what are these things What's the connotation? What's being conveyed by this idea? What does it mean the Bible is saying that God is speaking? Which denote the revelation of the 22 supernal letters to the prophets? In other words, the same idea that these 22 supernal letters, these 22 letters which represent 22 ways, specific ways that God is allowing His light to manifest. And so what does it mean in the Bible when it says that God speaks? It denotes the revelation of these 22 supernal letters to the prophets. Now look at the words. And the enclothing of the letters in their intellect and comprehension in the prophetic vision, as well as in their thought and speech. In other words, what are we learning now? What is Nevoah? Nevoah is literally the same thing that we were discussing now about the creation of reality, but in a deeper way, Nevoah is as God is allowing His radiation, His emanation, His light to enclose itself in the intellect and comprehension of the prophetic vision, as well as in their thought and speech. As it is written, as, the, as it says, the, the verse says, the Spirit, I believe in Jeremiah, the Spirit of God spoke in me and His Word is upon my tongue. So let's just explain, what's, what's the altar of a, why does the altar of a bringing here from the prophets? Why is that making it a little easier? Why is, this, why is this example make it easier for us? So, you know that this is the response to Bible critics. One of the famous things that Bible critics, that they like to prove, quote-unquote, prove in quotation marks, that the Torah, that the Bible isn't true, is the fact that all the prophets speak with different styles. If you read a verse in Ezekiel, or a verse in Isaiah, or a verse in Hosea, they all have different styles. And so the Bible critics say, well, if it's the Word of God... Why do all the prophets speak differently? 
Why are there difference in styles in the prophets? Or even in Isaiah, Isaiah 1, Isaiah 2, uh, they, they want to put together. It, the question is, if it's all God talking, so why indeed are there differences in styles in the way that the prophets talk? Why are there differences between them? And that's what the Alter Rebbe is answering over here. He's saying because the light of God, which is the, called the divine speech, which means the contracted light of God, is enclothing itself in the prophets, in their prophetic vision, in their intellect and comprehension, in their thought and speech. Meaning that that's exactly the idea that we're learning over here. Even though we're saying everything is the light of God, that doesn't mean that the light of God, everything looks the same. You know, like some people think it says when Mashiach comes, we're going to see everything as Hashem's light. So does that mean everything's going to look exactly the same? Of course not. That's not what that means. It means we're going to see Hashem's light manifesting as everything in its particulars. And the idea that the prophets spoke differently, the reason that they had different styles is because the divine light enclosed himself in their brain, in their mind. Imagine like a stained glass window. <laughs> when the sunlight hits a stained glass window, so it makes a lot of different colors. When the light comes, goes through the other side of the window, it makes a lot of different colors. Why? Is the light, does the light have division? Does the light have multiplicity? No, it's not the light. Where are the different colors coming from? Where are all these differences coming from? It's coming from the glass, the stained glass that the light is going through, that the light is refracting through. And so the prophet's, the prophet's brain, Hashem allowed His light to enclose itself, mamish, in the brain, in the tongue, in the speech, in the prophet. And so the prophet became like a stained glass window. And yes, and so there are different styles in the Bible. Because it's dependent on how Hashem's light is going through that prophet's mind. Why is that important for us to know? Because that's the secret of reality. The fact that reality has so many different things also, seemingly all is Hashem. I'm always with Hashem no matter what. So why are there so many different things in reality? The, the same idea, because Hashem's the 22 supernal letters, these are 22 ways that God's light is manifesting and they go into the world. So really, the, the, the world is almost prophetic. I mean, the, the, they say, the students of the Baal Shem Tov taught that Hasidus is the path of prophecy. Hasidus is the beginning of that prophecy, being able to hear God talk to you through whatever you're experiencing. No matter where you are, no matter how difficult, no matter what's going on, that is Hashem's light contracting itself, speaking to you through whatever was going on in the world. Let's see inside. So it's the revelation of the 22 supernal letters to the prophets and the enclothing of the letters in their intellect and comprehension and the prophetic vision, as well as in their thought and speech. As it is written, the Spirit of God spoke to me and His word is upon my tongue, as has been explained by the Ari, the Arizal of blessed memory, in the Shar Hanavua. Says the Alter Rebbe, listen to this similar to this, just like the way it is by the prophets. That the prophets are Hashem's light enclosing itself in their mind, in their brain, in their tongue. They are the stained glass window. They're the prism 
through which God's light is manifesting to become the different verses in the Bible. Similar to this is the investment of the letters in created things. The divine letters, that's how the divine letters are invested in created things, in created things in the world. As it is written, by the word of God were the heavens made and by the breath of his mouth all their host. So it's literally the same thing. It's just that, that that Hashem's light is manifesting in the world the way that it manifested in the in the mind and the and the brain and the heart of the prophets. What's the difference, though? So you might ask. One second. So I don't understand. So if the words of the prophets, if the words of the Bible are Hashem's contracted light, and the world is also Hashem's contracted light, what question could you ask? Why is the so why are the words of the prophets holy and the world is not holy? I mean, we poetically say the world is sacred, right? Rabbi A.J. Heschel likes to talk all, of, all the time about how the world is sacred, but that's when we give it that meaning. When we give it that meaning, when we sanctify it, the world could become sacred. But in and of itself, the world doesn't have holiness to it. But seemingly, if it's the same thing as the light that's revealed in the head and the mind of the prophets of the Nevi'im, what's the difference between a pasuk in the Bible and, and a tree? They're all God's light becoming contracted to become something. Going through a prism, going through a shtalshlis, going through a downchaining to become something. Question is clear? So the altar of answers, look inside. He says, only... The enclothing of the letters in created beings, when the letters, when Hashem's speech, when Hashem's light becomes enclosed in created beings, meaning in the world, that's through numerous and powerful descents until the letters reach the corporeal world of Asiya. I'm going to explain in a second what this means. Whereas the comprehension of the prophets is in the world of Atsilus as it becomes clothed in the world of Bria. So let me explain. We know that Kabbalah teaches there are four worlds. The lowest world that we're in is Asiya, then Yetzira, then Bria, then Atsilus. Hashem's speech is the world of Atsilus. Hashem's speech is from Malchus Datsilus, the lowest level of Atsilus, meaning Hashem's speech is openly, the world of Atsilus means when Hashem's light is openly revealed. Now, but when that light goes down, what, what are the different, what are the four worlds actually do? So you remember, you know those Russian dolls, those that like, the small one is enclosed in the bigger one, which is enclosed in the bigger one, those babushka dolls, you know what I'm talking about? That there's like one enclosed in another, enclosed in another. So that's really how we have to start looking at reality. Layers of reality that, that meet our mind, layers of reality that we see, that we observe, is enclosed, is encasing deeper levels of the truth of reality. So where is the world of Atsilos? The world of Atsilos is right here. Where is it? Oh, you got one? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. One of those, exactly. So that's, that's, that's what the world is like. That's what the worlds are. The worlds are different layers enclosing Hashem. But Hashem is right here. Hashem is right here in His totality. So when we say the words of the prophets, what do the words of the prophets mean? 
it means that Hashem's light is not as encased, not as enclosed by so many layers. In the words of Tanya, the words of the comprehension of the prophets is the world of Atsila says it becomes only enclosed in the world of Bria. It has to be enclosed in the world of Bria so the prophets could exist. The prophets have to be able to be alive. So it is enclosed in the world of Bria. But that's it. As opposed to this world, for the light to come down to this world, it has to also be enclosed in the world of Yitzira and then finally Asiya. That's why we don't see that the world is God talking. The prophets heard God talking. They felt it to be God talking. We don't experience that. Because the light of God that we experience is enclosed in all these garments and vessels. Is that clear? But based on this, I want to tell you a beautiful teaching that the Lubavitcher Rebbe said, based on this idea from Tanya, which I think is very important. So I'm assuming that most of you are familiar with the 13 principles of faith of Maimonides. Everyone knows the 13 principles of faith, the Jewish dogma, the animamins, the 13 animamins, even though the Rambam himself didn't write the animamins, he, he, didn't, he didn't actually write that, that terminology. He wrote the 13 principles of faith in his parish to Mishnayis to the end of Sanhedrin. But we know the Rambam is the one that codified what are the 13 principles of faith. <laughs> Now, these are basic, listen to the order of how the principles are and tell me what's wrong with this picture, okay? So you have the first principle is about the existence of God, then the unity of God, then that God has, is incorporeal, that God is above time, that God has no limits with time and space, then the fact that God is incorporeal, that he has no body parts, that he is no, not... And the fifth one, the fifth principle is that only is it fitting to pray to God. It's only fitting to pray to God and not to pray to any other force other than God. So basically, how do we summarize what the first five of the 13 principles of faith are about? God. They're about God. Then number six is that all the words of the prophets are true. That's number six. All the words of the prophets are true. Now, just parenthetically, what does it mean when we're saying all the words of prophets are true? It means they're not lying. What do we mean to say that all the words of the prophets are true? True in what way? What do you mean they're true? That they weren't lying? So it means that they're all from God. All the words of prophet are true, that when they spoke and they said that God told them X, Y, and Z, it literally is coming from Hashem. That's number six. Number seven is the prophecy of Moses, Moshe's prophecy, how it's greater than all the other prophets. That's number seven. But then here's where things get weird. Number eight and nine are about Torah. Number eight is that all the words that we, all, all the Torah that we have in our hand is, was, was a given at Sinai. That's number eight. And number nine is that the Torah will never be changed. That the Torah we have is never going to change. So that comes out that the Rambam is listing those principles that have to do with prophecy before he's listing the principles that have to do with Torah. Now that's very strange because what's in a higher level, Torah or prophecy? 
Seemingly, Torah is on a higher level. Torah is on a higher level than the other prophets. And seemingly, not only that, we know who was the last prophet that ever lived. The last prophet that ever lived is the prophet, not that ever lived, I'm sorry, but the, the last prophet that we have that's written in the Bible before prophecy stopped was Malachi. Chagai, Zechariah, Malachi, they were the prophets towards the end of the second temple. So the book of Malachi, which is the end of prophets, that's the, that's the end of the prophecy. That's the end of prophecy until Mashiach comes. That's the, the very end. And what's the last pasuk? The very end of the book of Malachi. What's the last pasuk it says over there? Zichru Toiras Moshe Avdi. Remember the Torah of Moshe, my servant. That's the last prophecy, the last words in the book of Malachi, Zichru Torah Moshe Avdi. And the Rambam himself explains why is the last prophecy that we have. The prophet telling us to be careful with the prophecy of Moshe, with the Torah of Moshe. So the Rambam says, because really, if I were to ask you all 613 mitzvahs, where are they from? Which prophet are they from? Only the Torah. The only Moshe Rabbeinu. Our religion was given to us fully by Moshe Rabbeinu in the Torah and the five books of Moshe. All 613 mitzvahs are there. It's very rare. We have like Megillah, Neris Hanukkah, washing your hands before eating. There are some very rare different mitzvahs that from the rabbis, from the prophets, very, you know, hitting your Aishana son, Aishana Rabbah. Very few things come from the actual prophets. So the Ramam says, what was the purpose of the prophets? The purpose of the prophets were to lahazhir ta'am, to constantly be warning the nation to keep Moshe's Torah. To keep Moshe's Torah. That's literally what it was, that's what the, the words of the prophets are about. But if that's the case, that really the whole prophecy is in order for there to be Torah, why doesn't Torah come first in the list of principles? If prof, all the prophets were just to adjourn the nation and warn them and, and, and to make sure that they keep the Torah the, completely, so where should that be? Where should the, those, so the principles of faith about Torah should be first, and then there should be the principles about prophecy. Clear the question? So the simple answer that's given by many commentators, the very simple answer, is that the only way we know Torah is true is if we know prophecy is true. If we, don't, if we didn't believe in prophecy, and we didn't believe in Moshe's, especially Moshe's prophecy, then there would be nothing about the Torah that, that then who says the Torah is true. We have to first, that's the simple answer. The simple answer is that you need pro, to, the belief in prophecy to believe in the Torah and the truth of the Torah. Right? That's the simple answer. Yeah? But the Rebbe once gave a much deeper answer based on what it's saying over here in Tanya. Because according to what the Alter Rebbe is saying in Tanya, kulom, the contracted light of God that becomes reality is the same thing that what it means when God speaks and encloses himself in the minds of the prophets, in the tongues, in the minds, in the hearts of the prophets. So the Rebbe says that means it comes out according to this, there's something much deeper. It's not just about 
prophecy. The principles of faith number six and seven, which are about prophecy, tell you something about God. It's not that the first five principles of faith are about God. It's that the first six principles of faith or seven principles of faith are really about God. Because once you understand what is prophecy, prophecy is the fact that God contracts himself and doesn't just remain infinite. Hashem's light does not just remain infinite. Hashem allows His light to go through myriads of contractions, to enclose itself in the mind and heart of prophets and in the world. That's something you need to know about God. It's not just prophecy. It's an understanding about the way God manifests. Prophecy is not just God talking. That's an anthropomorphism. That's at a very basic level. That's if a person doesn't learn in depth. Without learning in depth, prophecy is just God talking. But obviously God doesn't have a mouth. God doesn't have, you know, lips and stuff like that. So what does it mean God is talking? It means that he's allowing himself to contract himself to become reality. And so the first, the first way that God contracts himself to become reality is the words of the prophets. The words of the prophets is Hashem, the letters of the prophecy is Hashem contracting himself. So it's literally something we need to believe about God. It's not just the happens to be what the prophets are. It's that we need to believe about God that God also manifests his finitude. And first it's in the mind and heart of the prophets, and then it goes down to become the rest of the world. Is that clear? That's why also the Rebbe explains something fascinating. When it comes to who's able to be a prophet, so the Gemara in Nedarim, Rabbi Yochanan says in the Gemara in Nedarim that to be a prophet, you need four things, and we learn them all out from Moshe. Chacham, Asher, Gibor, and Anav. The Gemara says to become a prophet, to become a full-fledged prophet, one needs four things. One needs to be wise, smart, strong, physically strong, wealthy, meaning that a person can't be worried about money, and humble. And the Gemara learns all these things out from Moshe. We know Moshe was humble. We know Moshe was strong because he was able to pick up the tablets to smash them. The Gemara learns out the tablets were very heavily, were very heavy for him to be able to pick them up and smash them. That means that he had to be strong. He got rich from the engravings what he, that he carved out of the second tablets. The Gemara learns out all the different things. But what's fascinating is that if you open up a Rambam, in the Mishnah Torah, in the Esode HaTorah, in the laws of the foundations of Torah, the Rambam, when he speaks about prophecy, he does not mention three out of those four things. The Rambam goes on and on about that the mind of the prophet, for a prophet to get prophecy, his mind has to always be focused on God. He, is, he, he has to be removed from thinking about mundane matters. And his mind has to be strong, that it's totally focused on things and supernal matters. And the Rambam goes on and on and on about the mind of the prophet. He doesn't mention, not only doesn't he mention that the prophet has to be strong, he doesn't mention that the prophet has to be uh, um even humble. 
which we know humility seemingly is the most important aspect of a prophet. That's by Moshe Rabbeinu, by Moses. It was his humility that made him the greatest of prophets. But the Rambam doesn't mention that. He doesn't mention humility. He doesn't mention wealth. He doesn't mention strength. All the Rambam talks about is the mind of the prophet. And so the Rebbe explains this by, in a Jewish manner by answering that question with another question. And that is, why does the Rambam have to tell us at all in a book of Halacha? We know Mishnah Torah is a book of Halacha. Why is the Rambam telling you the Halacha of how a prophet becomes a prophet? What's the Halachic relevance of that? There's no Halacha that you have to become a prophet. And the answer is, the Rebbe says, that's exactly the point. If the, the Gemara is telling you how to become a prophet, the Rambam is not telling you how to become a prophet. The Rambam is hinting to the same thing the Alter Rebbe is saying over here, which was, you know why the mind of the prophet had to be always directed towards God? and the mind, He's not saying the conditions to become a prophet. He's explaining what prophecy is. He's explaining that the mind of a prophet was literally a place where God was able to dwell. And that's because Hashem is allowing His light to contract itself into the mind of the prophet and then further on into become all the world that we see. So what the Rambam is stressing to you is to know something about God. It's one of the principles of faith we have about God. God doesn't just remain infinite. God isn't just Yudke Vavke. God is also Elohim. And that's why the Rambam wants to tell you that the, about prophecy and what the Alter Rebbe is saying about prophecy. Prophecy is just another way of saying God contracting himself, God doing tzimtzum. And just like God did tzimtzum to be able to enclose himself in the mind of the prophet, God does tzimtzum to be able to enclose himself into the world. Clear? So prophecy really is, is just another way of saying God's contracted light. And that's something we need to believe about God. And as I mentioned when we learned the idea of the ten utterances, the world, when you learn this idea, is a different world. It's not just a world that God created and is standing outside of. It's a way that God's light is manifesting. It's literally a way that God's light is manifesting and therefore everything in the world is just another way to contact Hashem. Questions, comments, or witticisms, and then we'll stop for today. Anyone? Quick, quick question. Yeah. Yeah. So you said that the 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 point of the prophets was to serve as kind of like a reminder of of Hashem's, I guess, trueness to the to the people. Yeah. It, it seems it seems like based on the fact that Hashem continuously contracts himself. More and more, every generation is more of a Yerida. It seems like the the generations of the prophets would be the last people in the world who need to be reminded they were on such a high level. They were level of prophecy. It's like these people really had a lot less contraction of Hashem's are, so to speak. We should. I'm we not going to. I'm, no? <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you on that one. I, I'm I'm with you on that one. I I think uh, that's that's exactly why it's such a dark generation. I mean they. Listen, again, you have to remember that, remember we spoke about the equilibrium, we spoke about the fact there needs to be an equilibrium in the world between holiness and impurity. And so prophecy stopped when we when there was no longer the Yetzirah for our paganism, for Avedizara. So, so for whatever reason, there had to be that revelation from the prophets to, to so to speak, uh, be in equilibrium with that type, with the, with the Yetzirah from paganism. But I certainly agree with you that 
I'm not going to argue with you that today's day and age we need prophets more than ever before. So I'm, I'm, that's a good question. I have that question on God also. I, I, I don't have an answer for that one. We're pretty lost in this generation in that way. But uh, Baruch Hashem, we have the words of the Torah, of Chassidus, to, to sort of keep us going. Any other questions? The question is: Yeah, Jonathan. Is, uh, when we speak, then you know, like not the non-prophets among us, is it in essence the same thing, just kind of further along the seder hashdalshlus? Well, don't forget that we we we're not a stained glass mirror. In other words, even if I were to ask you, we believe all the words of the prophets are true. We believe all the words of the Gemara are true. Let's let's leave let's leave us aside for a second. What about let's say in the Gemara? In the Gemara, everything they say is, we believe is from Hashem. That's the eighth principle of faith. And yet there's an essential difference between the words of the prophets and the words of the Gemara. What's the difference? Just that. The words of the prophets, their mind was like a stained glass window. Hashem was literally just shining through their mind. But when it comes to the words of the sages, when it comes to the Talmud, they were using their own brain. We believe that they, there was Ruach HaKodesh, but it wasn't openly Nevuah, that we believe that through their holy mind they were able to come to the, the truth of what God's Torah is, but they weren't feeling God shining through them. We, when we talk, is even more concealment. We're in the world of Asiya, and when we talk, we're, we're making God's light go wherever we want. The opposite. We that that's that is part of Gala Sashina. We we are the ones that allow you know, there's a Pasuk in Shirashirim, a very weird Pasuk where God compares us to horses. Um My beloved. This is what the the groom is saying to his beloved bride. And uh, anyone kids don't try this at home. I wouldn't say this to your wife or your girlfriend at home. But it says, My beloved bride, I compare you to the horses of Paro's chariot. That's not very complimentary, seemingly. Why, we, why is Hashem comparing, like, what does it mean that, that He's comparing His beloved to the horses on Paro's chariot? So Chesidus explains, we're God's beloved, and we are now those horses. Where does the rider go? Wherever the horses schlep him. Wherever the horses schlep him, that's where the rider goes. And so now, because God's light is so concealed within us, yes, whatever we do, we're putting God's light into... We're like the horses. We're schlepping God's light wherever we go. Whatever we do, whatever we say, we are schlepping God's light with us. We're like those horses that are schlepping the rider wherever it needs to go. But we don't feel that it's God talking. When you're learning Torah and you feel it's God talking, that's one thing. But when it's just us talking, the opposite. God's light is being... And everyone in the world, everyone in the world is putting God's light in whatever they're doing, whatever they're involved in. Any other questions? Another quick question. Yeah. So we, we learned, I think, earlier in Tanya that the words of Hashem that are, are literally in the, the words of the Torah. The, the light of Hashem is literally in the words of the Torah so that you could be closest to Hashem when you're learning. It seems like even closer than a prophet, seemingly. Is that is that correct? Well, we, 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 we certainly believe that Chumash is the holiest of all the books. In other words, is there less of a contraction in the, in the words of the Torah than there is in, say, like a prophet? Yeah, or? that's why halachically you're not allowed to put a book of prophets on top of a Chumash. 
That's why Chumash is the is the, that's why it says Moshe. There there are differences halachically in the prophecy of Moshe and the words of the other prophets. It has to do exactly with how much contraction there is. So if I'm learning Torah, why am I not higher than a prophet at that moment? Like why I'm I'm directly interacting with Hashem's R at that moment. You are. You are. When you're learning, at the moments you're learning Torah, you're at a level that's higher than prophecy. That's exactly what, see, this is all about. When you're learning Torah, when you're saying the words of Chumash, you are interacting with the very essential revelation of God where there's no concealment. You might not feel it, as the Altar explains in chapter 46 of Tanya, but you are connecting with a level of God that's higher than prophecy. But why is that allowed? I'm not, I'm not anywhere. <laughs> I'm going to be real humble here and say I'm not anywhere near a level of prophecy. <laughs> but that's, that's the Chiddush of Matan Torah. That's what it means that God gave his Torah down here below to us. That's exactly the point. He gave his most special, intimate essence to us. When we learn Torah, we are connecting with the very essence of Hashem in, in the highest way. Yeah. That's a good note to leave off with. See everyone tomorrow, same time, I hope.